0: Alright, how many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can you say man? God is good. He's always good. He's always been good. He's always gonna be good. He ain't never gonna stop being good. He don't know how to be anything other than good. Hallelujah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, good to see you all this morning. I got a couple quick announcements, really quick, uh, before we, we go on. First of all, I want to make sure everybody is there this Thursday for our nine-year anniversary celebration and the first Thursday Thunder of the year. Yes, let's make it real Thunder. Let's make it Thursday Thunder. Thursday Thunder means you got to come and you got to make some Thunder. You know, it's Thunder. It's Thunder. Come on, we got to be the Sons of Thunder. I need the Sons of Thunder in the house for Thursday Thunder, okay? You know, we need to make some noise up in this place up here on Thursday. I'm, I'm, not ta- I'm not talking about one of those, you know, last year Thursday Thunders where there'd be about 20 people up in the house. I'm talking about packing it out. And that's why we move Thursday Thunder to once a month. Once a month. Because a lot of people said it's too hard to get here every Thursday. Okay, come one Thursday a month. Just one Thursday a month for Thursday Thunder. And this one's going to be our nine-year anniversary celebration. Nine years. Can you believe it? Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Do you realize how significant that is? Do you realize that 80% of church plants die within the first five years? You did not know that. 80% of church plants die in the first five years. And so for a church to have been around nine years and still be thriving and growing and developing and forming and going out and coming in and doing awesome stuff is simply the work of God. And especially in the city of Emeryville. You don't realize that there's demonic forces arrayed against anything that the church does in the city of Emeryville, but God has given us victory again and again and again. He's opened doors, and we have engaged in strong spiritual warfare here, and God has moved obstacles out of our path, and uh, and so we're going to celebrate what God has done. Amen? Amen? All right. Secondly, many of you were expecting my book to be available today. Uh, last week, last week, uh, some of you in second service, you second service people got played because I put it out in first service, and those first service people, they bought all of them. I mean, they disappeared, so second service people showed up, and there was none left. I ordered more. I, pr- I got more printed, ordered more, paid extra to have it shipped by to my house by Saturday so that it would be here for today, and it didn't show up, and so I got to call the man and yell at him tomorrow and, and, uh, in the Lord and give him a prophetic word of encouragement, um, But uh, they will be here by our nine-year anniversary celebration. I want to say one word. Some people, a lot of people, have uh, emailed, texted, uh, Facebooked, Messenger Pigeon called, uh, a a singing telegram, asked me to save them. You know, set aside five books for this and set aside five books. I cannot do that. People out of town have mailed me checks, and I've mailed them books. That's how it works. Uh, Y'all who are in town... Show up at the table and buy your books. I can't set them aside for you. It's just too hard to keep track of everybody who wants me to set them aside. So just come buy them, and and but I it, when we when we when we run out, I'll print more. Also, how many have been to my website? A path through mighty Raise your hand high if you've been there. Okay, good. Everybody whose hands are not raised, y'all needs to go. A path through mighty My blog beats the sun coming up in the morning. Before the sun comes up, my blog is there. And what I do every single morning before 6 a.m. is I provide a devotion for the day that follows the meditation for the day prescribed in my book, A Path Through Mighty Waters. (laughs) And so this is a great way to start your day. And you don't have to get there at 6 a.m., but if you are up that early, it's there. But you can come any (laughs) time during the day. It's, we are learning as a house to meditate on the word of God day and night. And so I encourage each and every one of you to go there, a paththroughmightywaters.blogspot.com. And if you go to our Facebook page, there's always a link to it on the Facebook page for the day's meditation. So you can click on it, go there, see the meditation and devotion for the day. That'll start you thinking and praying and, and, and we're going to learn together to meditate on the word of God day and night. It's a powerful year in that way. Amen. Now, on that page also, there's a link that you can click to buy a hard copy or the ebook book uh, yourself. You actually don't need me uh, to bring you hard copies because you can order them there. And, and literally, on this particular site I found, you can click it to buy a hard copy. You can order your hard copy. They will print one and mail it to your house. So, I literally, I don't even have to pre-print them. You can just go there, click it, print one, mail it to your house. You can put it in your friend's house if you want to buy it for him as a gift. Put in his address. Click it, and it'll send one copy to his house, and uh, so uh, that's there, and that's available to you too. And you can also buy the ebook. Uh, so I um, encourage you to buy a lot of them. And um, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> hallelujah! Mm. All right, now to the word of the Lord. Are you ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Second Samuel chapter five, beginning at verse seventeen. Second Samuel chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. The Lord has been speaking to us about breakthrough. Amen. And each time the Lord speaks to us about breakthrough, and each season, there's always an angelic visitation to go along with it. I remember back in 2005, we were having an early morning prayer meeting in our home. My wife and I lived around the corner here in Emeryville on 65th and Hollis. We were having 5.30 a.m. prayer meetings every morning. It was supposed to be for 40 days, and it went on for two and a half years. But in the middle of 2005, in one of those 5.30 a.m. prayer meetings, an angel appeared in our living room. I could point at the place on the carpet where the angel of the Lord stood. One of my buddies from out of town was in town. Afterwards, he walked up to me and said, did you see the angel that was standing there? I said, you saw him too? Both of us saw the same angel and we pointed to the same place on the carpet where the angel of the Lord stood. And uh, I said, man, that's powerful. And the next day, I was discouraged about something. And he said, listen, Benjamin, I don't know how you can be discouraged when an angel of the Lord stood in your house yesterday, he says, now, I, I, you know, I'm not a Bible scholar or anything, but when I do read the Bible, angels don't just show up. Okay. They don't just hang out. You know, a lot of people, oh, I saw an angel. I saw an angel. I saw an angel. No, angels don't just show up for nothing. When angels show up, something's about to happen. Amen. I mean, when an angel showed up at Mary's house, she was getting pregnant. When an angel showed up to Zachariah, his wife was getting pregnant. Okay. You know, when an angel shows up to Joshua, they were getting ready to take Jericho. When the angel of the Lord showed up to Jacob, he was getting ready to move to the next level. Yeah. The angel of the Lord, when the angel of the Lord comes, something is about to happen because they don't just hang out. They don't just show up for no reason. Yeah. And so he said to me, I don't, I, I don't think you have any grounds for discouragement. When the angel of the Lord showed up and he said, secondly, I prayed and asked God why he sent that angel and the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, the angel came to break you through to the next level. It was an angel of breakthrough. Amen. Now, in that season, while we were having that early morning prayer, what we, what we didn't see at the time was that God was changing the atmosphere of the city of Emeryville because when we first came to the city of Emeryville, there was tremendous opposition against us. There was opposition from 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 people from the city council and opposition from from residents of the city and opposite i mean people would go to city council meetings and say we do not want this church here in emeryville Uh, every building that we tried to occupy they said we do not want a church in this building we don't want a church in emeryville we sent out mass mailers to every person in the city of emeryville and we got people calling us going this is not a church uh, environment this is not a church city you take your church somewhere else we had all kinds of opposition matter of fact when we first went, I remember going and going to the school and going to talk to the principal at the time and saying, how can we help? How can we be a part? And he says, no, you can't be a part of what we're doing here. That's a violation of the separation of church and state. I was like, what? For us to volunteer at the school, yes, we can't have any religious volunteers at the school. It's a violation of the separation of church and state. There was so much opposition. The first church at the, at the marina we did, I got a call from the city attorney the day before the thing at 5.55 p.m. saying you cannot have your event tomorrow. You've got to shut it down. It's a violation of separation of church and state for a religious entity to have a public service. So shut it down and give me a call on Monday. I'm leaving the office now. I called I, I, I called him back, and he didn't answer. And I said to our team the next morning, I said, if they drag me off this platform and arrest me, we are having this service today. Amen. We got a permit from the city. We jumped through all of their hoops. We got the encroachment permit. We did everything they did. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about, and he's the city attorney. It was simply demonic opposition that was designed to intimidate us. But during that season, through prayer at 5.30 in the morning for two and a half years, every single morning, we broke through. And the angel of the Lord came, the angel of breakthrough came and broke us through. And all of a sudden, the tides turned. The schools were inviting us to come in and, and, and serve. You know, buildings were saying, We want you here. I was getting calls from folks saying, We got an opening in this space over here. Would you like to come put the church here? All of a sudden, city council members were calling us and saying, You know, we want to talk about what you're doing at the church. It's a wonderful thing. And mayors were coming and visiting our services. This whole at- Atmosphere in the city changed, but it happened when God brought breakthrough. Well, now God is bringing us into a new season of breakthrough. And there was an angelic visitation that happened on Friday night at all church prayer a week ago. My wife saw an angel of the Lord and she literally felt the ground, the floor crumble and she felt like she was going to fall through it. And then all of a sudden she felt an angelic presence behind her. And the Lord said, this is an angel of breakthrough, an angel that's coming to break you through. Yeah. And so God is taking us into another season of breakthrough and we must understand what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Amen. Now look in your Bibles at 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. This is what the word says. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him, go, for I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Verse 22, once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord and he answered, do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Now, we have to understand the context of this passage of Scripture. The Scripture says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed, yeah. mm-hmm. David had just come out of the worst season of his life. Yeah. He had just come out of a season in which he felt as though it could all come, go, come crumbling down at any moment that the ground could crumble beneath his feet, that the ceiling could crumble over his head, that it could all fall apart at any moment. Have you ever gone through a season in which you felt like it, it could all fall apart at any moment? Really? You ever gone through a season when you felt like I'm holding, holding it all together by a thread here? Right. I mean, it's, I'm just holding, I'm barely hanging on. I've come to the end of my rope. I'm holding it together by a thread. But at any moment, this thing could all fall apart. You say, at any moment, my marriage could just fall apart. That's how precarious it is right now. You say, at any moment, I could lose my job. Both folks are getting laid off around me right and left. At any moment, I could get that pink slip. I could be the next one. At any moment, my physical health could deteriorate. The doctors say my blood pressure is so high. At any moment, I could have a heart attack and die. At any moment, my wife could leave me. At any moment, I could lose my kid. At any moment, I could I could lose my job. At any moment, I could fail out of school. You go through a season where you just feel like you're walking on a tightrope rope, like you're walking on eggshells. And at any moment it could all fall apart. Well, that's how David had lived for years. I mean, in Saul's court, he was dodging spears and, and running for his life from Saul. The Philistines are trying to kill him and Saul's trying to kill him. He's separated from his people. He's separated from his life, the life that he knew since he was born. And he, and he, and he says at any moment, Saul could catch me and it would be all over for me. Now, the the thing that kept David going was that he lived under the banner of the promise of God. Because when he was a little boy There was a prophet by the name of Samuel Who showed up at his house one day And Samuel said God has commanded me to anoint one of the sons of Jesse As king of Israel And Jesse brought out all six of his older sons And the Lord said Not the one, not the one, not the one, not the one, not the one Don't you have any other sons? And Jesse said I got one more But I don't think you want him Because he's the shepherd boy Samuel said Go get him at once I will not be seated until he enters the room And here comes David Rings of dirt around his face Around his eyes His hair was full of twigs And he smelt like sheep. He was probably 12 or 13 years old. His clothes were torn and tattered. He looked like a little ragamuffin and Samuel's thinking, Lord, surely this is not the one. But the Lord says, you're looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart arise and anoint him. He's the one. Samuel walks up and pours the horn of oil over young David's head and says, this day I anoint you king of Israel. On that day, God anointed him king of Israel. And it said that the spirit of the Lord came mightily on David from that day forward. And the spirit of the Lord manifested in, in, in empowering David to kill lions and tigers and bears. That is, he wasn't, he wasn't yet, uh, he wasn't yet acting as king of Israel. That is, the anointing was the anointing to be king, but sometimes the anointing to be king manifests in the animal kingdom. That is, you can kill some lions, tigers, and bears, but God is giving you practice because the day is coming when you're going to sit on a throne and you've got to fight another kind of enemy. You see, some of you are in a place where you're practicing. You say, this job doesn't have anything to do with my calling. Yes, but there's some lions and tigers and bears there, and God's giving you time to practice. You say, this place in ministry doesn't have anything to do with my calling. Yeah, but God's allowing you to practice. See, you just need some target practice right now. He's put a sling and some stones in your hand, and he's saying, go out and kill some lions and tigers and bears. Now, not only did David kill lions and tigers and bears, but he stood up against this giant from Philistia, who was from a city in Philistia called Gath, and his name was Goliath. Goliath was nearly 10 feet tall, and he, was, he came down into the Elah Valley with all of the Philistines, and they began to taunt Israel. I and mean, here's the thing. The rest of the Philistine army hung back. They didn't have to do anything. This big behemoth, this big giant, you know, this big Dell-like creature named Goliath. You knew that was coming, huh? <laughs> this big, giant, enormous, you know, Goliath comes down into the valley, and he begins to taunt Israel. And he says, send out your best man, and he and I will fight. One on one, and whoever wins, the other army will serve. You say, if you kill me, I'll serve you. How are you gonna serve me when you dead? <laughs> you ain't serving nobody. And so, uh, and so, um, David. The spirit of the Lord comes upon David. You know the story. He kills the giant. David was just young enough to to just just. He didn't care. You know, David was young. He knew he was anointed. He was kind of cocky. But he said, there's no way this uncircumcised Philistine is going to stand before the armies of God. That's And that's the words he used. That's the, word. That's the Bible. That's the word. And Goliath looks and said, you sent a little kid to fight me? And he, he came out with sticks. Right. Sticks and stones. Sticks and stones. And the, them sticks and stones can't even break my bones. That's see. Goliath said, you... Goliath said, uh, David said, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you with the name of the Lord. Come on, David. David was a little kind of a rapper. You come at me with a spear and a sword, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. Uh. Uh. Get somebody beatboxing behind him. You come at me with a spear and a sword, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. Yeah. You know the story. He kills the giant, cuts off his head. But from that day forward, everything seems to go wrong for David. Mm -hmm. From that day forward, I mean, the very people that he delivered, I mean, he stood up and fought for King Saul. For God's sake, King Saul should have been out there fighting for himself. Instead, he's sitting in the palace sipping mint juleps. Had people fanning him. And his army was scared to death. And little David goes out there and kills Goliath on his behalf. And so Saul said, great, you can be my worship leader. You could be my minstrel. Brings him in, says, Bring your guitar and sing me some songs so I can throw some spears at you. You know? I mean, for God's sake, it's all falling apart for David. Now Saul's trying to kill him. He's running for his life. He has to go down to the Philistines and act like he's crazy so that they don't kill him. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know the story? And now all of a sudden, years go by. David is now 30 years old. Saul is dead. His son is dead. All of Israel comes to David at Hebron, tells us here in 2 Samuel chapter 5, the beginning there. All Israel comes to David at Hebron and anoints him king. God anointed him when he was about 13, but the people didn't anoint him until he was about 30. Let me tell you something. A lot of people say, well, I only serve God. I don't serve the people. You, listen, you've got to get it right with the people too. Because David did not begin to reign the moment God anointed him. He began to reign the moment the people anointed him. And when the anointing of the people comes into alignment with the anointing of God, now you really reign. Let me tell you something. You need people. Don't think you're so anointed that you don't need nobody. You need people in your life. You've got to get it right with God and man. Come on, somebody. And so now, all of a sudden, David is in this age of fulfillment. In this moment where everything he had been hoping for, it happened. You know, you got that thing in your heart and mind when this happens. When this happens, man, when the moment this happens, I'm going to sing and shout. I'm going to jump up and down and rejoice. At this moment, when this happens, young, single Christians struggling to stay pure, when I get married, that moment, oh, come on, you can say amen. amen. When this happens, <laughs> when this happens, Hallelujah. broke as you can be. But making your way through college. But when I get that degree and when I get that job, when this happens, you know what I'm talking about? When this happens. Whatever that this is, when I get that promotion, when I get that job, when I I get that interview, when this happens, you got that thing in your mind that's kind of the crowning moment, the fulfillment of what you have been waiting for. When this happens and whatever that this is, you got it in your mind that it's going to solve all of your problems. It's going to take you out of your wilderness and bring you into a place of peace because there's no more King Saul's throwing spears at you. You're no longer dodging spears and running through the wilderness and hiding in strongholds and stuff. And what does it say? It says, David was anointed king by all Israel. And there's this huge celebration. But when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king, they came against him in full force. Sorry to break up the party. But this happened, and it was not the end of all your problems. Because with new levels come new devils. It doesn't mean you don't have to struggle anymore. It just means you have to struggle at another level. Now it's not Saul throwing spears. Now it's an entire Philistine army. You say, this happened. Now I want to go back to before it happened because it was a little easier to run from Saul than it is to face the whole Philistine army. Come on, somebody. Young people thinking, I can't wait till I get a job doing this and making this amount of money. Yeah, but what you don't realize is you're going to have to work five days a week, about 50 hours a week. And right now you take three days off. You know, you work 22 hours a week and you go, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm so tired. I wish I didn't have so much on my plate. When this happens, yeah, you're going to have to fight the Philistines to get up early in the morning. When this happens, a bunch of lazy lima beans. (laughs) Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Mm. Some of y'all got to get up earlier in the morning. I'm going to say it every week until you start doing it. <laughs> the Bible says, as a door turns on its hinges, so a slugger turns on his bed. Mm. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Moving on. So the Philistines come against David at the moment he is anointed. At the moment. He is anointed. He encounters opposition. The first thing you must understand about opposition is that demonic opposition is not a sign of your weakness. It is a sign of your strength. Because at every place where you're oppressed by the devil, you tend to think that's your weak place. No, that's your strong place. The devil does not waste his time coming against the weak. He does not array his forces to go to war with the weak. You say, the devil's opposing me. That's how powerful you are. That's how mighty you are. You are so mighty that you are on his radar. Some folks say, the devil's fighting me. No, honey, you're not even on his radar. (laughs) You already lost your passion for the Lord. What can he take from you? (laughs) because when the devil comes against you it's to move you out of your territory so he can occupy it if he's already occupying it he's actually trying to pacify you Mm -hmm. Uh, not oppose you I mean once the devil's occupying your territory he'll make sure you get good jobs and interviews and you're comfortable because he wants to keep you pacified so that you don't wake up and take your land back (laughs) The thing you must realize is that at the very place where Satan comes to oppose you, there God comes to enlarge you. At the very place Satan comes to oppose you, there God comes to enlarge you. Look at your neighbor, say it. At the very place place. where where Satan comes to oppose you, there God comes to enlarge you opposition from the enemy is not a sign of your weakness. It is a sign of your strength. It is not a sign that you are dry. It's a sign that you are full. It's not a sign that you're poor. It's a sign that you're rich. It's not a sign that you're empty. It's a sign that you are full to overflowing. I'm telling you, when the devil comes against you, it is a sign that God has anointed you. And so they heard David's been anointed, but this is the thing. The devil does not fight a fair fight. David's been anointed. Let's hit him quick before he realizes what that means. David just got anointed. Let's hit him quick before he understands how powerful he is. Let's take him out before he realizes that he has the authority to take us out. See, what the devil does, his strategy is to hit you in your infancy. He always tries to attack a thing in its infancy before it matures and grows up and realizes the extent of its power. That's why in the days of Moses, Pharaoh took out an entire generation of Israelites. Why? Because somehow the devil sensed that a deliverer was being born. So let's kill the generation of the deliverer so that we can snuff out the deliverer. It happened in the days of Jesus. Herod said, let's kill an entire generation. He ordered that the firstborn of Israel should be put to death. Why? Because the Redeemer is being born. And let's take out the generation of the Redeemer. He wants to kill a thing in its infancy. In Revelation chapter 12, John said, I saw, I looked and behold, a great sign appeared in the heavens, a woman clothed with the sun, standing with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. It says she was in labor and she cried out in pain about to bear a male son. And then I saw that great serpent, the devil, uh, the dragon with his mouth open to devour the child the moment it was being born. The moment the call of God on your life is being born, Satan opens his mouth to devour it. He does not fight a fair fight. He doesn't pick on people his own size. He doesn't wait till you grow up to fight him. He attacks babies and infants. He comes against the small and the weak, those who are just being born. He wants to kill the thing in its infancy. Mm -hmm. Let's hit David. Let's hit him now before he realizes how powerful he is. Let's hit him now before he does damage to our kingdom. Let's hit him now before he expands his borders and his territories and decreases ours. Let's hit him now because he's going to be big trouble for us in the future if we don't deal with him now. This is the only chance we have to get him when he's small. You say, I don't have a great ministry. That's why the devil wants to hit you now. Say, I haven't led hundreds of people to Christ. That's why the devil wants to hit you now. That's why he wants to hit you before you wake up and realize how anointed you are, how powerful you are, how much kingdom life is in you, how much victory is in you, how much destiny is in you. He wants to hit you now. Are you hearing me this morning? Now, at that moment, David had to have lost his equilibrium just for a moment. I mean, he's still celebrating. I'm king. I'm king. I'm king. And all of a sudden, at that very moment where he's celebrating, he says, David, the Philistines have, are coming against us right now. It says David heard about it. They were trying to sneak attack on him. Yeah. They were trying to spoil the celebration by killing him and killing everybody. Yeah. And David hears about it. David, we're about to go to war. When? Right now. Oh, snap. You ever got hit with some news that hit you so hard it just it just disrupted your equilibrium. Yeah. It's like I got punched in the face one time when I was in the eighth grade. And the guy was in the 11th grade. And he was like, you know, a whole head and shoulders taller than me. And I was up in his face, you know, saying something to him. You know, And uh, what's wrong? Thank you. That was driving you crazy, huh? <laughs> See, that's why I love my wife. She don't let me walk around with that stuff. And, uh, you know, he and, I were, he and I were trading comments, and I didn't think it had progressed that far yet. See, you know what I'm talking about where, you know, you're exchanging comments, and you don't know how serious it got. You know, you're still thinking it's still kind of we're halfway joking right now. We're not serious because I, I really don't want to fight this guy. You know, I mean, I'd be stupid to try to fight this guy. And before I knew it, bam, right cross, right to the, to the jaw. Man, he hit me so hard. I didn't know which way was up which way was down, which way was right and which way was left. I was like, "Well, you" kn-. I mean, the, the the whole world was spinning around me and I just kind of walked around. I stumbled around and when I came to, I was in a different part of the campus. I didn't even know how I got there. I said, "The devil is a liar." Which one of him? Which one of y'all just hit me? Yeah, right. There was only one of them there, but it looked like 3 after the are you sure it was only one of them? I thought, that's messed up. We were just talking. You know, don't you just want to cry? What did you have to hit me for? It wasn't that serious. I was just playing with you. You know, that's what it's like when the devil hits you with an attack that you weren't even anticipating. You know, he doesn't have any rules. Like, at least they used to do back in the day we're going to fight after school at 3 o'clock on the grass. You know, like you know the place, you know the time. You know, and they would even ring the bell. Ding, go. You know, you, you, you had warning. If you got your butt kicked then, you know, you just got your butt kicked. But this was a surprise attack. This was a sucker punch. The devil sucker punched David. And at that moment, he lost his equilibrium just for a moment. You know what he did when he lost his equilibrium? Look what the scripture says. It says, but David was told about it, and he went to the stronghold. Look at this. Look at this. Verse the end of verse 17, but David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. He knew he he needed a moment. He knew he was going to have to fight this battle, but he needed a moment in between hearing the news and approaching the battlefield. you got to get this. He did not go directly to the battle. First, he went down to the stronghold. Now, a stronghold is typically a cleft in a rocky place where you can hide. It's a place that's impenetrable, a place that the enemy can't get to. David knew where the stronghold was in that valley. He knew the place where he could hide for a minute, a place where the enemy couldn't get to him, a place where he was impenetrable, a place where the devil couldn't touch him, a place where he could just go get alone with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Listen, you have to develop a stronghold in your life. And David said in Psalm 18, he said, God is my rock and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliver you know what david said god is my stronghold god is that place in the rock where i can hide myself where the devil can't get to me when he comes to sucker punch me and i need to get my equilibrium back i just run to the stronghold see here's the problem the devil comes and sucker punches you and you grab your sword and go straight to the battle still staggering i'm gonna take that devil out where's he at where's he at (laughs) when you need to go to the stronghold for a minute. You need to go into the presence of God for a minute. You need to go to that place and just hide yourself. Yeah. That's right. yeah. You know, there in Acts, I believe it's chapter 9, towards the end of chapter 9, maybe beginning of chapter 10, when Peter, he goes to this city, and they told him about this old woman who had just died named Dorcas. I know it's an unfortunate name. But it wasn't back then, you know. It sounded perfectly normal. And and uh, Dorcas, she was an old lady, and she had done good. Now, you know, men of God don't like to be put on the spot. Because, you know, we like to tell testimonies about healings and miracles. But when somebody actually expects us to do that stuff like right then, you know, you're telling somebody a healing testimony, they go, oh, great. Because my cousin has cancer. He's right here. You can heal him right now. Listen, here, come here, cousin. Bobby, this is a man of God. He moves in healing. He's going to heal you right now. <laughs> You know, what you start doing is you start giving, you know, a little theology about why some people don't get healed. Well, now you need to understand that not everybody gets healed, you know. I mean, I, ha- I prayed for a lot of people in my day. Not all of them have been healed. I only tell you about the ones who do get healed because that makes me look better, <laughs> you know. And, and so uh, they, t- they come to Peter, and they even brought the quilt she had made. Mm-hmm. Are they coming with the stuff she made? This woman of God, you can't let her die, Peter. Look at the quilt she made. <laughs> what are we going to do without a quilt maker among us like this? It's cold at night. We need her back. You need to go in there and raise her from the dead. You can do it. You're an apostle. And, Pe- and they put Peter in a room and closed the door. And he goes and he looks at that woman and she's dead. Not just kind of dead. Not somewhat dead. She's completely dead. She's not mostly dead. She's like 100% dead. Like you know, she, it's lights out. It's gone. She's done. And she probably looked like she's about 127 years old. So it was time for her to be dead. You know, I mean, it was time for her to go home to be with the Lord, right? She was probably happy, you know. And uh, uh, Peter, he looks at her, and he's thinking, this is over. Oh, Lord, you ever look at a, at a problem that you're facing and just get overwhelmed by how big it is? Look at what Peter does. It says he turned his back to her and got on his knees. I always wondered why did he turn his back to her? It's as if he's saying, You're not important right now. That's not what he was saying. You know, when you're facing your problem, you're trying to pray, like, Lord, help me with this problem. It's such a big problem. Oh God, help me with this problem. It's such a you know, you're facing the problem and you're overwhelmed by the size of the problem. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna get anything from God in that moment. That's right. Mm -hmm. Because you're saying, Oh God, I got a big problem. Instead of, old oh, problem, I got a big God. God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> when you come into the stronghold, you turn your back on the problem. Yes, you don't need it. Your stronghold is the place where it's just you and God. That's right. Your problems can't come in there with you. Amen. Amen. Your situations and trials can't come in there with you. It's just you and God. Amen. But see, you got to learn how to run to the stronghold because most believers don't know nothing about the stronghold. Mm, my God. There's not a single space in your life where your problems leave you alone. There's not a single space in your life where you transcend your situations, your circumstances, and your trouble. You've got to build a stronghold. You've got to learn to run to the stronghold. That, listen, David said in Psalm 27, you, O oh Lord, are the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm not afraid when I'm in the stronghold because I know the devil cannot get to me there. And that's why, the, that's why Solomon said the name of the Lord is a stronghold, and the righteous run into it and are safe. You, but you got to learn to run into it. If you don't run into it, you're not safe. And quoting it is not the same thing as running into it. Because there's a lot of Christian witchcraft out there where people are trying to use the name of Jesus as a spell. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Just like you're, 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 it's some kind of a spell. Christian witch, witchcraft. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is even going to enter into the kingdom. Just saying, Jesus, Jesus, don't do anything unless you're turning your heart to him and running to him, actually coming to him. He's a person, not just a word that you sprinkle on the devil to get him to run away. Amen. Okay. All right. Come on. Mm. Come on. David said, I'm going to run to the stronghold. I'm going to go into the stronghold. Listen, you got to learn how to build that stronghold first thing in the morning. You know what I do? First thing in the morning, I go into my stronghold. Doesn't matter how difficult the day is going to be because I'm in my stronghold in the morning. I'm in that place where the devil can't talk to me there. He can't touch me there. Why? Because it's just me and Jesus. And I don't allow my problems in. I don't allow my worries in. I don't allow my anxieties in. It's just me and God. He said, that's the place where you hear him say, be still and know that I am God. And that's why David started that Psalm, Psalm 46, by saying, God is my refuge and my strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, I will not be moved, though the earth be moved, though the mountains crumble and fall into the midst of the sea. He says, there's a river whose streams make, God the, make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Yeah. And then he says, be still and know that I am God. Coming into that place of stillness where I'm in the stronghold and nothing can move me there. Yeah, I know the enemy's right outside, but he ain't getting in here. That's yeah, I know the enemy's waiting at the door, but he ain't getting in here. Right now, I'm in the stronghold. And it was in the stronghold that David inquired of the Lord. You hear what he says? He inquires of the Lord there, and he says, Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? He didn't assume that just because the devil was coming against him that he was supposed to come against the devil. You've got to learn that not every enemy that attacks you is an enemy that you're supposed to attack back. Because some stuff is so far beneath you that you shouldn't even respond to it. I mean, if a three-year-old called you out, would you fight him? (laughs) Come on! I mean, what if every day that three-year-old was waiting at your door? I'll bite your leg off! Come on! What are you, scared? (laughs) You call his mama say, you better come get your kid. (laughs) And you wouldn't even be afraid to walk past him either. You just walk right past him. He's punching at your legs. (laughs) You're not moved by that stuff. There's some stuff that's beneath you. How about Nehemiah with Sanballat and Tobiah? They sent him an official letter. Come down here to the Valley of Ono. And we need to talk this thing out. And he wrote him back and said, I ain't coming to the Valley of Ono. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, I am not coming to the Valley of Ono. I ain't got time for that. He wrote him back. He said, ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. I don't have time to be wrestling with Sanballat and Tobiah who are trying to pick a fight with me. I don't have time for that. Victory is determined by your ability to discern which enemies to fight and which enemies to ignore. One of the greatest problems is we got folks fighting enemies they said they should be ignoring right. and ignoring enemies that they should be fighting. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. What if David would have stayed in the stronghold? The Philistines covering the valley of Rephaim, but David's in the stronghold just worshiping. My God. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Just worshiping, meditating, 300, 365 days a year, just meditating in there. His army's waiting outside. Are we going to go fight? Leave me alone. I'm in the stronghold with the Lord. It's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. But listen, there's a time when you got to come out of that stronghold and face the enemy in the valley. you got to come out of that stronghold. See, you've been praying about your bills, but now you got to come out and pay them. You've been praying about your kids, but now you got to come out and sit them down and correct them. You've been praying about your job situation, but now you need to actually get to work on time and do your work. Quit praying about how you're oppressed, how it's religious persecution, or it's racial discrimination. (laughs) They're discriminating discriminating against me. (laughs) Well, get to work on time, do your job. There comes a time when you got to come out of the prayer closet and actually face it and here's the key. There's believers who live in the in the prayer closet. They live in the stronghold and never face the enemy in the valley. And then there's believers who go straight to the valley and never stop at the prayer closet, never go to the stronghold, and both of them are going to lose. That's right. That's right. Tell the truth. David inquires of the Lord in the stronghold and says, "Shall I attack the Philistines? Will you give them over to my hand?" And God says, "Yes." Please go attack them. I will give them over into your hands. So David comes out of the stronghold, and he looks and sees that the Philistines had gathered in the valley of Rephaim. This is, in, this is important. The word Rephaim is plural of Rephite. The Rephites were ancient legendary giants. Have you heard of the sons of Anak? The Anakim. Anak was a Rephite. It was a line of giants. The Valley of Rephaim is the Valley of Giants. The Philistines gathered in the Valley of Giants, and if you look on a map, you see that the Valley of Rephaim is on the way to the Valley of Elah. That is, if you start in Jerusalem and come down the hill, down to the Valley of Rephaim, you keep going through the Valley of Rephaim, you come down to the Valley of Elah, and right there in the Valley of Elah, David faced Goliath and killed him. David had already faced a giant in that area. And now he thinks he has to face an army of giants. But when he comes out of the stronghold and actually engages in the battle, he finds that there's not a giant among them. It's just a bunch of ordinary men. The Valley of Giants is not inhabited by one giant. And this is the word of the Lord to you today. Every time the enemy comes against you, the attack looks monstrous, but it's actually not monstrous at all. It's just mundane. You see, sometimes the enemy attacks you with one giant, never an army of giants, mm-hmm. one giant, or he attacks you with a whole army of midgets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you actually sat down and wrote down the things that are coming against you right now in this season, mm-hmm. you find it's a bunch of stuff that's so little that attention. it is not even worth saying. Amen. Amen. I love doing that, so talking to somebody. So, what is wrong? Like my whole life's falling apart. What is wrong? Well, um, my wife's mad at me. Oh, well, me too. What else? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're struggling to pay the bills. Me too. What else? Uh, well, things aren't going too well on my job. Okay, that's life. What else? Right. A whole bunch of little stuff. Okay, I'm yet to hear why your life's falling apart. I mean, all I'm hearing is a bunch of little midget problems. But what the devil does is he tries to overwhelm you with the mundane. Just a whole bunch of little low-level stuff. Whole level, low level. And what happens is low-level demonic powers are taking out high-level men and women of God. When you find out what took him out, he was stressed. And what was he stressed about? The bake sale. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, just a whole bunch of low-level stuff right. that wasn't worth worrying about. There was a couple leaks in the roof, you know. His wife was upset about something, and the kid got a, a C in school. You know, I mean, it's just a bunch of low-level stuff. Just a bunch of little stuff. A whole, But a whole bunch of it, it'll overwhelm anybody until you realize, have you ever looked at your house and just got overwhelmed? This house is a mess. I mean, it is a mess. And you think this will take forever to clean. And then you start cleaning about 30 minutes later. You're like, actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I mean, it wasn't a mess mess. Like, it was, it was messy. But I actually had a lot more authority over it than I thought. When I actually started... See, this is the thing. What keeps you out of the valley fighting the fight is because you look down there and you see a valley full of giants. And that's why you need a word from the Lord to say, go and fight. I'm going to give this thing into your hand. Listen, some of y'all need to fight for your finances because God is giving it into your hand. But you look down there and see a whole army of giant debts. And God says, there's no giants in that valley, just little midgets in that valley. Go down there and kick some butt and take your financial future back. So David goes down there and he whoops up on some Philistines. And he says, at the end of the battle, he says, as water breaks out, so the Lord has broken out against my enemies. And so he renamed the place Lord of the Breakthrough. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Do you want a breakthrough this year? Ooh, yes. You want to Everybody see breakthrough? Has- you want God to break through? Yeah. There's only one place you will experience him as the Lord of the Breakthrough, and that's in the Valley of Giants. Because right. too many people are sitting up on a hill saying, Lord, break <laughs> Lord, break through. Just stretching your hand out towards the army down there. You see them down there. God, break through down there. Give us victory over that army. In the name of my mama. Praying over your problems isn't enough. Do you hear me? Praying over your kids isn't enough. Sit down and talk to them. Praying over your debt isn't enough. Make some plans. Call your creditors. Talk to them on the phone. Talk to your boss and ask for some more hours. You know how many years I prayed, God, please help me wake up earlier? And God said, finally this year, he said, set your alarm. This year, God's going to make a path through mighty waters, but you still got to make a decision to walk that path. And you've been making excuses for so long that without even thinking, an excuse comes out of your mouth. Every time you start talking about your your current condition and your current situation, all you're doing is making excuses for where you are. But in this year, we're saying no more excuses. Just shut it. Keep it to yourself. Save the drama for your mama. Tell it to somebody who cares. No more excuses. No more excuses. If you don't like where you are, change it. Well, I can't find the time, and you never will either. Because I've never been walking down the street and found two weeks laying around. I found $20 once, but I never found two weeks. You don't find time. You make time. You take authority over time. Amen. Mm. Come on, somebody! Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to fire you up this morning. Yeah. I'm trying to get you fired up this morning. God is making a path through mighty waters, but you've got to know what those waters are. What are your mighty waters in your life? You, if God wants to take you down into the valley of Rephaim, and this is the thing. David changed the name. He said, this is no longer the Valley of Giants. Now this is the Lord of the Breakthrough. This used to be called the Valley of Giants. I wanted to stay away from this place because there were so many giants in it, but I don't see a giant when I look here anymore. Now I see the Lord of the Breakthrough. Now I want to visit this place again and again and again to remember the breakthrough God gave me here. Now I look to this place as a sign and a symbol of what God is going to do to all of my enemies. Let them come. I serve the Lord of the Breakthrough. Hallelujah. Mm. Amen. 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 We're gonna do it this year. Yeah. Come on, let's go. Yeah. I just want to take off my shirt and scream right now. Mm. <laughs> no. No. no, no, no. The devil is a liar. Don't do it, Dell. Loose here. Come on out of that demon. <laughs> You got it, don't you? Stand up on your feet and just give God some praise. Come on. Come on. Just put your hands together and give Jesus a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now and begin to glorify him. Come on. Make some decisions. Just lift your hands and begin to glorify Jesus right now. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Open your mouth. Just begin to glorify Jesus. Just begin to thank him. You're going to see great breakthrough this year. But it's because you're making a decision that you're going down into the valley of Rephaim. You're making a decision you're not going to sit on the hill and look down at your problems. You're going to go down there and you're going to take on that army. And you're going to know him as the Lord of the breakthrough. But you're going to build a stronghold this year. You're going to learn to come into that stronghold each and every day. Each and every day. Each and every day. Each and every day. You're going to come to the stronghold. You're going to go into the stronghold and you're going to find God to be your rock. Your refuge, your strength, your strong tower, your deliverer, a very present help in time of trouble. That stronghold. You're gonna go into it daily. Start the day in the stronghold. Don't let a day go by where you don't run to the stronghold. You say, I'm overwhelmed. Well, let me tell you why you're overwhelmed. You haven't been into the stronghold yet. Go into the stronghold. Find God to be your rock and your refuge. Your strength and your deliverer. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just go right now. Just go right now. Go into that stronghold right now. You, O Lord, are my stronghold. You're my stronghold. You're my stronghold. You're my strong tower. You're my deliverer. You're my rock. You're my refuge. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, God, just pour out your spirit right now. Just pour out your spirit right now Just pour out your Spirit right now. Just let your Spirit move among us right now. Just break that Spirit of fear right now. Break it, break it, break it. That Spirit of intimidation. I break it off your life right now in the name of Jesus. Take it, take it, take it, take it. Take it Take it right now, take it right now. Take the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's coming on you right now. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is coming on you right now. Take all of it, take it, take it. Yes Lord, yes Lord. Jesus, Jesus, some of you need a new anointing of the Holy Spirit. You need a new anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you're hungry for a new, a new anointing of the Holy Spirit, just come to the altar right now and lift up your hands. Come now, come now, come now, come now. Jesus, Jesus, let your anointing fall. Let your anointing fall. let your anointing fall. Let your anointing fall. In Jesus' name, it's coming right now. It's coming right now. Yes, Lord. Come on, take it right now. Take it right now. Yes, Lord. Take it right now. Take it right now. Take it right now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He is in you to preach the gospel to the poor, to open eyes of those who are blind. To set at liberty those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the Lord's favor. To give them beauty for riches, strength for weakness, the oil of joy for the spirit of mourning. Come on, take it right now. Stir it up, Lord. Stir it up, Lord. Stir it up, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He crowns the year with his goodness. In his paths they trip with abundance. His paths are dripping with abundance now. His paths are dripping with abundance now. In Jesus' name. God, release your anointing. God, release your glory. Release it right now. Release it right now. Release it right now. Come on. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. It's increasing. It's increasing. It's increasing. The glory is increasing. It's increasing. The glory is increasing. It's increasing. Release the Holy Spirit now. Release even the baptism in the Holy Spirit now. Release the fire of God. Release the fire of God. Yes, Lord. Release the fire of God. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus Lord, yes Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come on, keep praying, keep pressing, keep pressing. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit for right now. Holy Spirit for right now. Holy Spirit for. You know why God anointed David as king? Because he knew he wasn't afraid to face the giants. He knew he wasn't afraid to go into the valley and fight. God wants to anoint you today with a greater anointing. But he's looking for the fight in you. He's looking for the fight in you. He'll anoint you in any area of your life in which you're willing to fight. The anointing of the Holy Spirit does not breed passivity. It breeds action it breeds action. Look through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Every time the Spirit of the Lord came upon somebody, they did something. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezrites gathered behind him, and he went to war against the Midianites. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he advanced against the Ammonites. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he tore a young lion in half. The Spirit of the Lord, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, He always anoints you to do something. The question is, what are you going to do? What do you need an anointing for? What do you need an anointing for? Holy Spirit, anoint me right now. I ask, just begin to ask Him right now. Anoint me right now. Whatever it is, anoint me to do it. Anoint me to preach the gospel. Anoint me to set captives free. What's holding you back? Anoint me to break free of whatever's holding me back.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you today. We give you all of the praise and the glory. We thank you that we're going somewhere this year. We will not be at the same place at the end of this year that we are at the beginning of this year. We're just not going to stay here. We're not staying at this place. Can't stay here any longer. Can't stay here any longer. And we've made excuses for it and said, well, here's why I have to be here. But this year we're making a decision I don't have to be here, not for another day. I don't have to stay. I don't have to submit to this power of restriction. I don't have to submit to this attack of the devil, not for another second. In the name of Jesus if I have to go into the enemy's camp, I'm going to take back what he stole from me. Whatever I got to do, whatever I got to do, whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say whatever needs to be said. I'm going to do whatever needs to be done. I'm going to give whatever needs to be given. I'm going to forsake whatever needs to be forsaken. I'm going to pray whatever needs to be prayed. I'm going to sing whatever needs to be sang. Whatever I got to do to go to the next level, I'm going. Come on, make a decision. I'm going. I have decided that I'm following Jesus. No turning back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm looking ahead. I'm not going back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. All the Lord's been waiting for is that decision. I'm not going back. Looking ahead. I'm not looking back. I'm not crying over my spilled milk anymore. Yes. Right. I'm not crying about what they did to me anymore. Yes. It's in the past now. Amen. Now I'm reaching for what's ahead. Amen. Now I want my destiny. Come on, just begin to say it. I want my destiny now. I want my destiny. Come on, I I want you to get hungry for your destiny. I want you to get hungry for your destiny I want that hunger for your destiny to supersede every sorrow to supersede every complaint I want my destiny come on begin to say it I want it and I will have it now walk in this walk in this Walk in this. I'm looking in some of your eyes and I see fire. Amen. You walk in that. You walk in that. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. And everybody just lift your hands one more time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that your blessing would come right now on the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> we give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.